Hi everyone, welcome to Black Women's Hour. As you can see, it's just me at the moment. Uh, everybody else has gone to bed because it's midnight here because we have, I think it's our second American guest. And I am so excited. We have the Vixen who was on season 10, RuPaul's Drag Race, season 10, right? Yes, hi. Yes, and that, what a season that was. Um, so I watched it, like I'm a massive, massive fan of yours anyway, I watched it. And I was just like, she's getting treated the way I get treated. I was just like, what on earth? I think so many black women identified with you when you were talking about what goes on, like black women, black femmes, you know, everybody. We were just like, yes, this is what happens because we were just watching you being gaslighted right in front of our faces. Yeah. You know, it was just, even from the first beginning bit, where you came on and said, I came to fight. Hold on a second, sorry, this is my kid. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> when you said, uh, I came to fight, why on earth? I just thought, get out of here. That, that was twisted beyond belief. Can you just clarify what you meant? I mean, it was obvious to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a competition. So in saying that, it's like, I came to fight for the crown or it's like, I'm gonna be tough and I think everyone took it as an opportunity to um, discredit me for anything I said. Any, anytime I stood up for myself, it was like, oh yeah, see, she said she likes to fight. And it was like, okay, there are reasons to fight and there are definitely valid reasons to speak up for yourself. Um, and I think they just use my entrance line as like a, a way, to, as you said, like to gaslight me and to, yeah, to just like discredit any valid points that I had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how does it feel? Because I know Drag Race is on different times in different countries. And I've seen some of the other queens that I follow and stuff like that. Like, so people who've just come to Drag Race and you're like, oh, Raven's so horrible. And it's like, yeah, I love that. It was like 12 years ago, get over it kind of thing. Do you have yeah. a constant stream of people annoying you? Yeah, it's, um, it's, and it always depends because what happens now is with all the streaming services, uh, so sometimes season 10 will get put in Brazil for the first time. And then I get a wave of Brazilian fans, like either, either loving or hating, but it's like, I, now all of these opinions are coming at me again. And it's like, it's your first time watching. It is not my first time living the experience. I don't have to go through it with you. <laughs> um, Did you regret doing it? Do I regret doing the show? No, because I think, you know, like you said, like there are so many people who watched what I went through and related to it. Um, and I think especially like in the queer community and, or not even, let's not just say the queer community, but I think because of the audience of Drag Race, so many gay people got to see that exchange. So many young white people got to see that exchange because there's so many like young white female fans as well. And so I think there's, lessons that can be taken from my experience that are good for everybody you know it was tough on me but I think it was good for the community in a large way because now Drag Race has the language to talk about these things um before before season 10 no one had brought up gaslighting or tone policing before um and nobody had talked about the fandom and the racism in the fandom on the show, like Queens had talked about it on Twitter and after the show, but no, but no one had ever said to the cameras that there was a problem. So I'm glad that I did it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, obviously we noticed it. Um, obviously, you know, if you trail around, you want to like look at your favorite Queens and you go underneath their posts and you see all these racist comments, you're like, what is wrong with these people? 
And it did seem like the white queens were being favoured and stuff like that. I mean, just the Eureka thing, following you, like, I hate that. When you tell someone, leave me alone, leave me alone, stop following me around. That is nothing but provocation. Have you yeah. guys, are you guys friends at all? Are you friends with anyone from your season? Um, my favourite, and it's, it's the great irony, is that uh, me and Miss Cracker are the closest friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, it's it's my very woke black girl magic self and Miss Cracker <laughs> thickest thieves. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but besides that, I think eventually it's like it's almost like high school. You know, it's like you say that you keep in touch with the girls, but we all kind of spread out into our own directions. Yeah, yeah, because you're all living in different places and stuff. Have you yeah. been to the UK? Yes, I came once in 2018. I came. Uh, hope I would love to come back. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. I want the Black Girl Magic. I think that's probably why I missed you. I lost my daughter in 2018. So I'm just like, I would, because I always was keeping an eye and we'd love, like, would you think about bringing Black Girl Magic to the UK? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I've talked to, I've talked to a few of the queens before me and Tia Coffee have definitely tried to make it happen. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot of logistics yeah. and it's a big, it's a big flight. It's an expensive flight. So, um, <laughs> Getting, getting the cast here over there is kind of tough, but I think we really need UK fans to rally and um, make those promoters uh, make the show happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely. So would you like to have it with half UK queens and half US queens? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Cause we've seen people sort of come over, but that show I think would really, really work over here. You did the right. I'm going to start looking into it actually. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. Like Birmingham, Manchester, places with a big black population, a really yeah. black queer scene. And then obviously, you'd have to stop by my show that I do um, at a queer venue, um, the oh, Royal nice. Tavern. Yeah, I've got a residency there. So I definitely want to coincide and definitely do a show and have you on there as well. Have your nice. life. Who are your favorite UK queens? Oh, of course, Tia, Vinegar, Strokes, and um, I love, okay, so not just Black Queens, I love Bimini, I love Taste. Uh, I'm going to forget someone and then I'm going to be horribly sorry that I forgot them. <laughs> I went to see Davina DeCampo yeah. uh, last week. She's really, really good. And politically, she's really, really spot on. Nice. Well. And there's a, a lot of girls have just been so very nice to me too. Uh, like the Vivian and Blue Hydrangea, they always send me makeup and things like that. So very sweet oh. girls coming from that side. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you do you mainly work in Chicago or, cause you've got a residency. Have you got a residency at Roscoe's? Um, I had a residency at Roscoe's before a pandemic, um, yeah. but uh, now I'm just kind of, me and Roscoe's are a good family now. So I pop up with, anytime I have like a special idea I want to do, I pop up with it. Um, and we're trying to figure out dates to bring Black Girl Magic back to Chicago. <laughs> but yeah. I've, been I've been touring with Black Girl Magic in different cities here and there. So it's fun. Yeah. I noticed some pictures of you online. You've got, um, uh, you're doing, you're dragging with your beard now. Oh that yeah, yeah. The thing, because I saw uh, Lucy. Is it Lucy Stall? Yes, Lucy. <laughs> the other bearded queen from Chicago <laughs> on your lineup. Why was that? Why? Because you're just such a. You've got such a beautiful face and stuff like that. Why did you? Why did you start using doing dragon? The beard. Um, so it kind of it kind of grew naturally. So in 2020, um, 
when we were just doing digital drag and like doing filming from home, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna be shaving my chest every week just to film online. So then I let my body hair grow for the first time ever. And I was very amazed at how fast it grew and how much it grew. <laughs> um, and I really grew to like it. And then last November, I said, okay, I'm gonna do no shave November. And I've pretty much done no shave November for a few years now. So it did feel weird. So my beard grew in. And then December came and my birthday's in December and I had an idea for a look for my birthday that I wanted to keep my beard. So I kept it through December and now it's February and the beard hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> so it's, it's for lack of a better word, grown on me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I still, I didn't intentionally become like a bearded queen. I just, um, it's, I think as I've turned 30 now, I've um, kind of, enjoyed exploring what my body does and exploring my manhood in that kind of way that I had never done before because I was an, a young queer kid and I was an androgynous teenager and then I was a drag queen. And so I've always been kind of stifling like my body's natural reactions. Um, so in quarantine, I've just kind of learned to explore it and celebrate it. So the beard is really just, um, it's more so just, kind of like another new way for me to like explore and represent my blackness too. You know, like there's a lot of stigma around like black hair texture, especially like on your chest hair. And there's like so many slurs that you can see on Twitter sometimes when I post things. And so it's kind of an act of defiance because I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like what my body is. And I feel very funky. I feel very like cool. And it, it's, it really just feels like an, an assertion of pride. <laughs> yeah it looks really good it does I Thank think it you. looks really, really interesting it's like I said going from like uber feminine and then you have the beard like, it works there's a black bearded queen here called uh legato chocolat have you ever oh, seen it. her it's got like a massive beard um nice. really amazing singing voice as well um so how's your music going music is going good I'm uh I think it's time to do another album. This past few months, I've had lyrics just coming out of my mouth every day um, to the point where like, I'm always on my phone just jotting things down because um, the voices are speaking to me from the heavens. And so I definitely plan on having new music out by the summer. Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, just let us know. We will um, yeah, for sure. that boost that for sure. Um, so what do you think of the changes that have happened on Drag Race? You think uh, like having uh, trans queens on, having um, got milk, milk, got Mick, um, <laughs> different types of people on, because it really was, I think it kind of felt like it almost, for want of a better word, they got dragged into doing it because like, people were just not happy <laughs> yeah. anymore. So it yeah. could know, because obviously when, it was first suggested Rue had made some comments that weren't great about having, you know, what do you think of the changes? We had, um, a, we had a, sorry, a cisgender, uh, assigned a female at birth drag queen on the latest UK drag race, which is, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a good thing. We want drag to be inclusive and we've always wanted drag to, represent everyone. Um, I think because it took so long and it does feel like they got dragged into doing it. I think now every time there's like a new 
person of there's every time there's a new identity now we kind of like roll our eyes because we can feel them like almost waiting for the pat on the back like they think that they and it's like no you're just doing the right thing you don't um you don't get a cookie for being inclusive you should have always been inclusive yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and do you speak to any of the sort of newer queens you were saying before we just came on like now you're 30 30 is like that's across the whole black diaspora that is like, I'm big people now, okay? Yeah. I can do what the hell I want. And when the adults are talking and stuff at family get-togethers, you get to join in now at 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because at 30, now my mom is, um, she's more forthcoming about, like, grown-up things that I didn't know about as a kid. You know, you get the family secrets, you get the you get the dirt that the gossip you wouldn't have gotten before. And I'm like, whoa, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm too young for this information. <laughs> Yeah, but I really like the the newer queens. So I'll let you in on a secret. I am uh, not watching any of the current seasons. Um, not in any kind of protest. I just am like literally fatigued with <laughs> how many seasons and shows. So not a, not in a negative way. I'm just like, especially once you've been on the show, um, when you watch every episode, you can see the edit. You can see. The, you can see the wall moving in the background. You can see the producer hiding in the shadows, you know? Yeah. Um, so the experience of watching is just not as enjoyable for me because I'm noticing all of the strings being pulled. And I think because there's so many seasons happening right now, I think even the fans are so aware of, oh, this is how the edit is going. This person is only here for this reason, or they're asking her these questions. Because I think it's like, um, I have a lot of podcasts that I like to listen to. And it's like, if you listen to someone talk for a thousand hours, you start to, you start to be able to tell when they're lying. You can tell when you're in me. Um, and so sometimes I have to even give my favorite podcast a break because I'm like, ah, I can hear it. I can hear the, I know when you're bullshitting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm at that point with Drag Race now where it's like, I need to take a break and um, after season 10, I didn't watch for a while, but then a lot of my friends were like on all-star seasons or new seasons. And so these seasons right now, I don't know anyone personally, so I don't feel bad about not watching. <laughs> yeah. Can I confess something to you? I can't, I can't do it anymore either. It's too much. Yeah, it's, it's too much. much. It's just like, I, it's like there's another one here, then there's a US here. I, I didn't watch Australia at all. I think I yeah. gave up. I mean, if you told me when Drag Race started, it'd ever be an episode of Drag Race that I would not watch religiously or rewatch right. immediately after. I can't, it's just too much. Yeah. You've got Australia, then you've got Canada, then you've got this and you've got that. And it just yeah. seems like it's constantly on. And I do worry about that because it was such a groundbreaking show. I mean, yeah. it's like here we had, um, when we had the X Factor over here, after all people just got sick and tired of it. It was like, yeah. okay, here comes some slow music. Here comes a little sob story. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, this person's going to, they're going to build up their confidence and stuff like that. And it's yeah. just, yeah. Do you ever think it will burn out, Dry Grace? It would be a shame if it did and that was the reason. Yeah, it would be a shame. I think um, it's like, and I feel that way about uh, now, anytime I watch any kind of reality competition, you see the formula. You're like, oh, they introduce you to the person then they give you the sob story and now they make you do the, the thing and it's like I just want to see artists do their art you know yeah, um, yeah. and so much of that is just like Emmy bait you know they're just trying to 
tug at your heartstrings so that they can win awards for this like emotional moment. Um, and it feels very forced when you watch it back to back to back to back. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, now because there's so many things happening at once, it's kind of hard for the Queens to have like true, like iconic moments. Like when there was like one season at a time, you know, like whatever happened on that episode, that's all anybody was talking about for a week. But now like you have your episode and then UK has their episode and UK versus the world has their episode and everybody's fighting for the drag race hashtag. And so it's like, I feel bad for the new Queens cause I think they're getting lost in the frame instead of having like real moments to like become iconic. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of have felt like, obviously Jade Essence Hall won during the pandemic as well. So I kind of felt like, oh, she didn't really get what she deserved anyway because yeah. of the pandemic. And then it's just back to back and you really can't keep up with these amount. I don't know, uh, Jade Essence Hall's the last um, series that I watched. Yeah. I remember her um, coming in and I was like, who is that black queen with the shoulders? <laughs> who is that? unbelievably yeah. beautiful and it was really interesting yeah. when uh, she brought her mother and she looked like a grandma she yeah was, she was in drag like a grandma yeah. i'm gonna do drag not like me but he's not having it <laughs> yeah i look like my mom when i'm in drag and then i put my mom in drag and the comments, because uh, I posted it in the comments, said that she looks like Heidi in closet. And I was like, oh, are we all related somehow? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. I think there was something put up, I think, by a black queen over here saying, you know, how, how often does that happen to you, that you get mistaken for black queen? Because I do stand up comedy and mm -hmm. I get mistaken. Uh, for black, that they don't look anything like me. Like I've had people exactly. go, oh, you're Jeannie Asher. Jeannie Asher doesn't look anything like me. I don't look, <laughs> I don't look yeah. like Andy Osho. I don't look like Athena. I don't look like any of these. What are you talking about? Yeah. And people, how ignorant are people with you when it comes to that? Because I've had people argue with me. Like this guy was like, oh, Andy. And I said, I'm not Andy Osho. And the guy was like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And if you want to be ignorant about it, I was going to say something nice to you. I was like, mate, I didn't. I, I'm not Andy Osho, but he wanted to tell me who I was. Do you oh ever get any weird? Yeah, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, I've definitely had instances where, or now I really make them work for it. Like if somebody's like, oh my God, are you? Are you? And I'm like, am I who? Like you have to say it. Because a lot of times they recognize your face, but they can't get the name. And so yeah. I'm like, if you don't give me the name, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shell it out for you. You let let me know that you are a real fan. Let me know that you actually respect who I am. Because sometimes people just know that they see a famous face and they can't put their finger on it. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not gonna give you the full experience unless you actually know who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I will forgive that if you're not quite sure, but to call me like some other black person's name, I'm just yeah. like, don't be so rude. Like, so do you do all the meet and greets and photos and stuff like that with fans? What's the weirdest interaction you've ever had? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, honestly, the weirdest thing for me is, because I think I think now, like as queens, we know that, we know that like, like some, some fans have their favorites. Like when I was on a tour with like a bunch of season 10 girls, you know, it was like, nobody was surprised that like some fans would gravitate to Miss Cracker or some fans would gravitate towards Blair or Banji or something like that. And it's like, that I can easily accept. It makes perfect sense. You know, I know how the world is, that's fun. For me, what was harder was seeing um, uh, how some 
of our queens uh, reacted to fans. Like, like if there was like a group of like people of color that came up, it would be like kind of short and polite. But then if there was like a basic handsome white guy, like the energy that the queens would give that one guy, that really, that really hurt my heart to see. Cause it was like, okay, I know that the fans have this problem, but you all can't also be creating this like white supremacy situation in the meeting read. That was, that was made it tough to tour with some girls for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, it, I think it's a problem on the queer scene over here as well. Do you know what I mean? Like they say the muscle gaze and you know, it's yeah. just like the most basic person. And you're like, really? That's what you're making a big fuss over. And there's like the most gorgeous black gay man. Ever. Yeah. There and you're just like, oh my god! I'm looking at this guy going, I would grow a penis for this man. Like, and you are blind, gorgeous. Like, yeah. no, I definitely, definitely support support the black queens. Always have done. Um, yeah. Have you uh, stayed in touch with Asia O'Hara? I have not. <laughs> oh, okay. Because we got yeah. The that's just, just being honest. Like, we just haven't talked in a long time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> how was that? Did how did you feel though? Like on the when you left the reunion and Asia had said what she said. I thought it was I thought that was nice. Um ooh, oh you got me on the spot. This question is always tough for me. Um because I I do believe that Asia had like a genuine reaction. Um to be candid, you know, we filmed, we actually filmed the finale before we filmed the reunion. So when we filmed the reunion, Asia had already lost. She had already had the horrible situation with the butterflies. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of her emotions were like tied into that. And um, also just like, uh, oof, I have not talked about Drag Race in so long in this way. <laughs> no, I like I said, um, I want to go with it. But um, yeah, so I think a lot of it was, you know, um, she had nothing to lose at that point. So uh, yeah. yeah, but it's tough because um, I think people saw that. And because a lot of fans weren't rooting for me in the first place, instead of looking to like root for me in that moment, they focus on like, oh, that was so nice of Asia to say that. Or whatever, but it was like, um, yeah, it was like, I, I, it really wasn't, it wasn't I, as deep as people think it was. And like I said, like me and Asia don't have like a personal relationship outside of the show. And that's kind of like, it kind of um, created this narrative that like there was like some sisterhood moment that didn't really happen. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, yeah, I, and I mean, and that was the same, even on the show, like, uh, on the episode that I was eliminated, the producers asked Asia to come and have a conversation with me. And it was like framed as like this, like, oh, super sweet thing. But what they were really doing was wrapping up my storyline because they knew that they wanted Asia to eliminate me. <laughs> and so it was like, um, I think it's kind of gross to kind of use that like emotional pulling to create this narrative when you're really just getting rid of me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. And I didn't like the angry black woman thing because it's like, it's not angry black woman syndrome isn't a thing. It's what we're labeled as. So it's just kind no. of- No. And anyone who was treated the way or who is treated the way that black women are treated in this world would be angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyone so who's I, disrespected is angry. It, yeah, it's just, it's, it's awful. It's the same over here, trust me. It's the exact same yeah. thing over here. Uh, I was just about to ask you something. So how come, is it big through drag that you really understand black women's experiences? You've mentioned your mum more than once. Uh, are you very close to your mum? Do you have sisters? Because when we were watching you from the things I've seen of you, I just think like, oh my God, she gets it like completely. Like what we go through, do you know what I mean? Like I said, for so many black women who are Drag Race fans, and I even got some black women who weren't watching it to watch it your season to say, look, look at what this is. This is how oh, I love that. I love playing that. Out. Look at it. So how did you, is it because you're close to the women in your family or? Yeah, one, I'm very, very close to my mom. I was raised, there was three women in my household. There was my mom, my grandmother, and then one of my cousins lived with us for a while. Um, and so I just got to see, you know, how black women were treated in the world every day. And I, on my dad's side, I have, about eight sisters. Um, and so even just like being out and like hearing like what people say about black women or how black women are treated, my mind always goes to, you know, these people that I love, these people that rates me. Um, and it's funny because uh, so many times I get questions in the media and it's like, uh, like what makes you passionate about how black women are treated? And it's like, you mean my, my family? <laughs> like, like, yeah, black women are very, close to my heart because um I am black you know black people are close to my heart and I want to see us all treated fairly yeah so that's is that why you've all because I like if I do my comedy I would say it was like almost like your drag like but just comedy do you know what I mean yeah. like I use it to talk about racism I use it to talk about experiences and stuff like yeah. that um I so it's kind of like um that, I was gonna say oh, go ahead. <laughs> so um so I was raised mostly by my mom and my grandmother and so uh my parents were divorced and so what I the way that I learned to be strong the way that I learned to handle things in the world was from my mom I learned strength and confidence and I learned self-care and self-love through my mom and so the way that I know to arm myself for the world is through the experience of black women and so um I think it's it was just natural for me to um, emulate black women in my life. Um, and so then when it came to drag, of course, like, you know, you wanna appear confident, you wanna appear strong. And so all of that for me comes from what I learned from black women. Yeah. So uh, was black girl magic that preceded drag race, didn't it? That was something yes. you already had going. Yes. How was that received first of all, when you start, because, um, it, when Black Lives Matter and stuff happened, there've been various white comedians who want to start like nights called White Lives Matter and all that kind of rubbish. Did you receive that kind of pushback? Were people going, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some snarky comments from, you know, a few people in the drag community when we started. Um, but overall there was like, when we first put up the first poster for the first show, there was this like huge sigh from the community, like, yes, we need this. And then you get the haters and someone saying like, oh, well, what if I did a white girl magic show? And me being like, go right ahead. I, I dare you, I double dog dare you. <laughs> because, because they think it, it's funny to say, but it's like, okay, do it and see what happens. See? <laughs> they actually because, I think they did do it in, a, in Canada. I think they had a White Lives Matter show or 
something oh, like that. They started it and it did cause quite a lot of problems. Um, yeah, no one, no one in my neighborhood was that bold or stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, how did Black Lives Matter, the whole movement, did you go out at all to demonstrating? Yes, in Chicago, we had a, um, we had a drag march. Ah. Yeah, and so instead of having a pride parade in 2020, we did a, a Black Lives Matter drag march and me and Shea were actually lucky enough to speak at the end of it. And so it was very powerful, it was very overwhelming because the same block where our gay bars are and like the parade usually happens, instead there was this Black Lives Matter march that was full of drag queens and like the queer community. Um, it was wonderful and we did it again in 2021. It was really nice. Oh, that's amazing. Did you find that it, did it affect your show? Did people come to your show differently? I mean, for us over here, I think for a while, we had like white people in our DMs going, whoa, what can we do? Did you guys have that as well? <laughs> so much of that. So much so that like when the protest started, there were so many people like asking the black queens to like, can you be a part of this? Can you be a part of that? Because they wanted to look woke by association. So I started a group chat with all the black queens in Chicago and was like, hey, this is gonna be our space to talk and complain and roll our eyes at how ridiculous people are being now and we're gonna support each other. And at that time we were doing digital shows because the bars weren't open yet. And so I did a giant black girl magic show online and they tip, you know, White Guild is very, <laughs> there's one thing I've said on Drag Race that they really hate. You can make a lot of money off of White Guild. <laughs> and and we got, they paid us so much that month, you know, like, and I was able to, you know, disperse that money amongst all the queens and make sure that we were taken care of. It was really great. And I said it then and I say it now, it was like, it's nice that you're here now, but let's see where you are in a year. And then of course, once the hashtags died down, they were nowhere to be yeah. found. The black squares were taken down, yeah. We uh -huh. had the same kind of thing over here. Um, is Tyra in a Chicago-based queen? Tyra, who won season two? Oh, no, no, she's not. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she was the first one, actually, identified, got treated quite similarly. Same, yeah, yeah. She, was, she was the first queen that I saw myself in even before she started getting the harsh treatment, and then definitely afterwards, it was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's very, very tough. So, um, sorry, it's gone again. <laughs> it's really late. Um, I was gonna. Ask, Thank you so much for staying up for this. Oh, it's all right. I was just like, if you just said three o'clock England time, I would just be like this. I'm not <laughs> missing this interview at all. No. The other day, and I'm so, I'm um, so bad. Like, um, the last interview that we had scheduled, I. I couldn't sleep the night before. And then, so I finally gave in and took a sleeping pill. And so then the sleeping pill kept me under when my alarms were going off. And I felt so bad when I woke up. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I've only ever taken those things a few times, but you wake up and you think, what happened? Like, yeah. You wake up, I, I wake up like feeling really down on them. I just feel yeah. like, because like, it's, it's a forced sleep. It doesn't, you don't wake up naturally and you don't feel like, oh, refreshed and rested. Because yeah. you still got all that kind of stuff to sort of grogginess in you, yeah. Yeah. So, would you ever? What other things would you like to do apart from drag? Because I mean, I think your story is so interesting, and your perspective is so interesting. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have thought about writing a book. I'm uh, right now. I've been on Instagram posting like just mantras that I have, and like the different philosophies that get me through the day. Um, I really want to like 
share like now that I have some perspective over what's happened on Drag Race I'm kind of like preaching like the things that I wish I knew then like just like perspective about ways to approach things that get better results you know of course like I said before I don't regret going on the show I'm glad that I did what I did and that it had an impact but I think it would have been easier on myself if I knew how to be a little bit more calculated while doing those things um so so I want to share that kind of info with like, you know, young black activists and social justice warriors. I want to give them one advice on how to like get things done, but two advice on like self-care and mental health and like ways to like take care of yourself and set boundaries. I'm very big on boundaries these days. It's very fun for my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I'm just the same. I feel the same. Like I speak to sort of younger black comedians coming out, I'm like, listen, just don't do what I did, don't women argue. <laughs> when you get to yeah. that, like, it's just gonna follow you around. You're just gonna be called yeah. argumentative for the rest of your life. There's yeah. smarter ways to do things. And I'm like, just yeah. get your money, get your money, get your money. Yeah. Get your money and yeah. And it's like, I, I wish that someone could have told me <laughs> that like, you know, you do what you have to do now and you get your money. And then what you do with your money, it's what counts. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but if you don't make the money, then you won't be able to help people later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I wish I'd had all of that kind of advice. So it would yeah. be, so yeah, that's what you would tell. Like, uh, I was going to ask you as well. One of the questions was, what would you tell? A, what? What would you tell a young black queen who was starting out? So that would be really important. Hold on a second. Stop. It's, sorry, every time we do this show, everyone laughs. No, that's my, that's my niece over there. <laughs> you're not having ice cream, no. I just have an ice No, but you're not, because you know why stop. I just had one. Right, and you know you, you, why you can't go to school? You've got a dodgy tummy. You don't want me to tell the world what's going on with your stomach. Can you keep still and stop? Enough. <sighs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, excuse my child. Um, so have you ever thought about doing any kind of acting? Have you ever done any acting in the past? Yeah, I've done, um, I was like a theater kid and I like took musical theater in high school and show choir and all of that stuff. Um, and I've done some like kind of like cameo appearances on television shows here, uh, like the TV show Empire. I was on a few episodes of that as just like, just as a drag queen performing. So that was really fun. And then um, there was a Showtime, the pilot for the Showtime show called The Shy. I make an appearance in. So it's kind of fun just being like, a, just kind of like doing like a walk on on screen thing where I just yeah. appear. And then everybody just gets to say, oh, I saw the Vixen on Empire today. It's like, that's really yeah. fun. But I would love to do something with more scripts. I've auditioned for a few things that, you know, didn't work out, but I'm still excited for uh, the things that are coming. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it would be really cool for me to have like an on-screen like role. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So what kind, yeah, I've heard about The Shy because I think Candy Barres did it because I'm just a reality TV, I love it. So <laughs> yeah. That, and I know that obviously we know the, the Jussie Smollett story, but I mean, like what kind of, um, what kind of acting would you like to do? Would you like to do drama? Do you do comedy at all? Yeah, I think I'm very funny. I think especially now with like this kind of like reputation around Vixen, I think there's always room for me to like kind of make jokes about like, oh, like here comes my temper or something. There's always something yeah. that I have fun doing and 
when I host Black Girl Magic, I love to make the audience laugh. I love like, I love watching everybody just like crack up. And I love watching people realize that I'm funny. That's the best yeah. for me because I think people take me so seriously. So it's a treat for me to allow people to see me in a really good mood. <laughs> yeah. I don't know many queens who aren't funny. I mean, I just like, oh gosh, we're going back like 15 years, maybe 20 years. Um, there's, there used to be a gay pub in East End of London. It was just rough, awful. Like back then, just pre-gentrification. So this <laughs> pub was rough as, the English expression, rough, rough as assholes. And it was <laughs> like literally me and like loads of drag queens that would go on. And these drag queens had gone. They were like, they were like always kind of funny. I mean, um, you know, they could deliver a joke. I don't know many queens that can't deliver a joke or land a line. I mean, some of their jokes were very dubious and some of them were very racist. And that's why I'm keeping my eye on Drag Race UK because I'm like, bitch, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the shit you used to say on stage. Yeah. Stuff like that. So yeah, comedy is something you would do. Um, what was, I was in a space actually uh, from run by someone called Hope Disguise. She was on the Mark Lamont show, Black Trans Woman. And she was talking. I mean, would you comment on the Jussie Smollett thing? I, I will confess, I will be, uh, I believed him. I'm sorry, I just did. I believed I him. I did too. I, I, I believed him. I think that Donald Trump is evil enough. He is vindictive. He is nasty. And when I found out that like, his sister was with Corey Brooker, I'm sorry. I've seen some weird shit happen. I've seen some really, I've, I've met some very narcissistic, very horrible people. I've seen things where, you know, if you try to say it, you know, people go, oh, you're crazy, you're mad. I believed him. What's the feeling over there in Chicago? Um, is there a lot of sympathy for him? It's very tough because um, what's crazy to me is because when it came out, I believed him. I had no reason not to believe him. I had met him on the show. I had met him off screen before and I always thought that he was lovely. Um, and I filmed with him very shortly after the quote unquote attack happened. And I had no reason not to believe him. And for me, it felt more like the media didn't want to believe him. It felt like the um, Chicago police like were spending so much time and effort to prove him wrong. And it was like, it got to the point where it was like, okay, if you haven't proved him wrong by now, why not just drop it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It was like, if you can't, it's like guilty until, or innocent until proven guilty. Okay, you are having a very hard time proving him guilty, but why are you trying so hard to prove? Yeah. So it always, it's felt like a witch hunt from the start. And like, they just like refuse to accept. And so I was, so for me, it seems kind of weird that like now we're years later and we're still talking about this. And yeah, I just wonder like, what was the motivation to put so many resources behind not proving him not finding justice for him, but for proving him wrong. It feels like they were more invested in, you know, holding him accountable to something than they were in making it right in the first place. So yeah, it's very confusing. I I it's very confusing. That you're doing too much. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, you do, it's just too much. But then when I was in this space and then having this conversation, they were saying there is a, quite a lot of tension between the black queer community in Chicago and the police. And yes. like, yeah, have you ever like heard or experienced, cause they said like a lot of times, especially if a guy's not out, um, Chicago police would go in there and it was for purposes of blackmail. Like, oh, we saw you there. 
if you don't, you know what I mean? Have you heard anything oh. going on? That's what, what I happened. haven't heard anything. No, I haven't heard anything like that. Um, I've always said that, like, um, <laughs> uh, it feels, um, it always feels like as a queer person, you feel like you may be a target for the police. And as a black person, you feel like you may be a target for the police. But I think that there's something about being a black queer person that like, it's just too much of a political hotbed that like police don't really bother like a flamboyant yeah. black. <laughs> because it's like, because it's like if you, and this is a joke that I say with my friends a lot. It's like, if you mess with a black gay guy, you got the NAACP and the HRC coming for you. It's like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, Actually. I don't think they want that drama too often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I've always, I've always felt safer. Um, even like when I used to ride the trains, I would feel safer in drag than I would like just as like a black guy on the trains because you know the police see like a regular black guy as like a target, but if you see a black drag queen, that's a topic they don't want to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Also, do you get bothered at all when you ride around in drag? Well, I mean, now I don't right the yeah. CTA <laughs> but um yeah it used to be a thing but even even back then before drag race I like I said I felt safer on the train in drag because um no one wanted to bother a drag queen you know it, like someone might think you were a freak but they would stare from a safe distance um yeah. but yeah just being a black man in this world it's more of uh volatile yeah I've heard that quite a bit from um um a few people who've said like if the police or whatever around um, um, black queer guys have said they just play up the campness and stuff like that because it just makes it safer and they're like you know what I'm not going there and exactly you know that there will be a fight on your hands if yeah. uh, if you've ever done so you've never had any issues like that with police bothering you in any kind you've been lucky because we yes. just wonder over here what you know what I mean like yeah we just seeing I mean because we get out on the street here as well when it happens. Like yeah. we're just seeing African American people just being executed. And yeah. like, you know, over here we get really mad about it as well. And there is like a whole, recently there've been like a few spaces on uh, Twitter and this foundational black American movement. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about it? I think. No, tell me about it, no. Um, yeah, so there's these people who call themselves foundational black Americans. Uh, Tariq Nasheed is quite high up in or one of their spokespeople or whatever he is. And they reckon that they are mixed with indigenous people from, they're saying that the indigenous people in America were black and that when African slaves came over and stuff, they mixed together. And basically it, it seems like kind of anti-immigration really. So they were like oh. a, of these spaces that were complaining and stuff about, um, they really went for Nigerians a lot, but they were talking about Caribbeans and they were speaking about um, people who came from African countries. And I think it's once you start cussing out Nigerians, they will come, like, they will just come and come. And Definitely, come. yeah. Can't start. Oh, so you haven't even heard of it? Because I thought it was no. like a movement. No, I haven't heard of that. Um, for me, like here, I know it was always a very big discussion growing up. It was like, um, so so many black people believe that they're mixed with Native American. And even in my family, that is true. Um, and so I, I think what happened 
like back in slave times and when Native Americans were facing genocide, I think that there was a lot of um, like interracial love between like basically the minorities that were like put like cast away. And so like you would have um, minorities in different like impoverished neighborhoods that would intermingle. And so then you get like mixed race children in that way. Um, but I haven't heard anything I, I really was having trouble following the logic in that. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't want them after me again because they were just yeah. in box and um, yeah, I had a few. Cause I was just speaking in the spaces actually. He came into yeah. one of the spaces and I was just like, what are you guys on about? Like, yeah. like oh, we ate Jamaicans and this and that. And the, that was just like, some of them, not all of them, some of them just weren't, but yeah. it just seemed like it was full of a lot of young black men as well. And I yeah. just felt like they were taking um, advantage of in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like because they're angry about stuff and they don't think it just looked like a lot of radicalization. And so they're yeah. being, I said, you sound like white supremacists, some of you. Like and that's what that's what we call a hotel. Yeah. That's what we call a hotel. Have you ever oh, heard that term? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's, it's like what it's um so hotel is like um it's like black men who preach about black pride, but their black pride only focuses on black men. So they're they're black activists, but they're still misogynist and they're still they're still homophobic. And it's like so those kind of people who like only uplift black men, but still are hateful towards everyone else in the black community. That's Hotep. We don't deal with those people. Yeah. There's also like um, I I know for myself I've witnessed a lot the relationship between like um, immigrant Africans and Nigerians and things like that um, versus like African-Americans is very tumultuous. Like they don't like us, they don't like us at all. And it's very hard to pinpoint because, you know, we're captive, we didn't, we literally didn't ask to be here. <laughs> and, um, but, and I think um, it's just a, a mirror of white supremacy is like, I think all immigrants, think that like by disassociating with African-Americans that it puts them closer to whiteness and even Africans act that way. And it's very sad. Um, that is a but, problem. Yeah, that's a problem yeah. there as well. I mean, we've had sort of like, I'm from Caribbean background. So we're also mm -hmm. de descendants of slaves, but it is yeah. different. Obviously we're in majority black countries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a bit of tension um, between African and Caribbean communities here as well. Um, yeah. Caribbean people tended to come over first and, you know, there was a little bit of like, you know, being seen as the ones with the baby mama culture and you don't get married and you don't do this and you don't do that. And yeah. we're very educated and stuff like that. It's smoothing itself out though. I really yeah. would hope that, yeah. But yeah. I wanted to <laughs> say, um, oh, I wanted to tell you, because uh, we were talking about um, tension and, uh, just relations with police officers. I There's like just little things that I like grew up doing and that have kind of shaped the way that I live my life that it took me a while to realize that it's all really been routines that I have to avoid the police. And so I, when I was 16, I had a car and I like had so much anxiety about getting pulled over all the time. And I was like, like deathly afraid of like having to have any police interaction where there was no one else in the car with me and I was just this young kid. Um, so I stopped driving. I've never renewed my license because that really makes me uncomfortable. I 
I don't like being outside without some, like, I don't like being alone outside, you know, because I'm always worried, you know, a number of things can happen. Even if I'm just walking down the street as like a young black guy, you know, especially now that I have a beard, I look a little bit more in the forest. Like, and so it's just like, that has always been. And I think the reason that I t tend to dress flamboyant is because I want the police to know that I'm not your average Negro, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to look like a problem that you don't want to have. And like, I always tell my friends this when I'm like kind of introducing them. My, I always tell my non-Black friends this when I'm trying to like teach them about the things that Black people face. I don't own a white t-shirt <laughs> because when I was growing up, boys in white t-shirt ended up on the news for all the wrong reasons. And so I just like dressing plain to me in that kind of way and looking like, the description that you would have on the news, that has always been something that I have like lived to avoid. And I think my, cause even out of drag, I'm very flashy. And I think part of that is just armor for me to feel like, because what happens when someone um, makes a vague report to the police? Oh, it was a black guy. What was he wearing? Oh, he was wearing a t-shirt. And so it's like, I've like literally lived with these kind of like, M mantras and these like little tricks to avoid being um, stopped by the police, which is really sad. It's it's black life. It's what we have to do. We have to find yeah. ways. So you know, we were. I did a Twitter space earlier where we were talking about. It was called Tinder Swindler. Could he have ever tricked a sister? Um, <laughs> quite a few African American women, and like part of the consensus and what we said about it was. Not that guy, not that, I'm not saying black women cannot be scammed. We can be scammed as well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of black women are scammed through like emotional things, you know, like, oh my God, that person's sick and they want to raise money. Then you find out the person's not sick, that kind of thing. Yeah. But the Tinder swindler, like, we're not getting on any plane going with any strange man for us to get trafficked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We know, yeah. like, as we over here with our passports, how precious they are. We're not giving our passport details out like that. No, someone. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, black people are very sensitive about our papers. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I don't know if you know, that's another thing the foundational black Americans were, I just like, some of you are so disgusting. They were going, ha, 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 you lot got the wind rush. Is the home office still deporting you lot from over? I went, why would you think something that's happened to black elders? You know, some of these people have been in the country for so long. And you will find like a lot of our parents' generation are almost hoarders. Like they keep every single little bit yeah. of paper. And that's what happened to like a few of them. They just turned up and all of a sudden they said, you don't belong here. And then you had these people thinking it's funny. I don't know, I wrote an article, I write as well. Um, I'd written an article saying like some of these younger black people, some of your diaspora wars, they're just not funny. Because yeah. I think once you go to the point where you're laughing about Caribbean people who've been deported to their deaths, then you'll see some of them laughing at African-Americans getting shot by the police. Like, what is going on in your brain that you would e ever think that anything like that is funny? It, yeah. it blows my mind. I just think there's certain places you just don't go. Yeah, people think that by mimicking white supremacy that it puts them in a safe zone and it doesn't. It does, even, even white women think that by like, you know, buying into these like white male patriarchy ideals that it will keep them safe but white men will treat all of us <laughs> like trash even their own women and so it's not absolutely. good absolutely absolutely it's just astounding so well oh sorry my friend topher had an art uh, because my friend topher's got only fans you've got only fans as well haven't yeah. you? 
I do. <laughs> How's that going? What's your mum said about that? <laughs> <laughs> My mum would rather not talk about it, and that yeah. is fine by me. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I had my friend Topher on my um, on the show at the RBT, and I said to his mum, like, oh, I really want to meet you, and I really want She's like, I don't want to see, I don't want to hear. They're very supportive of him, but he's yeah. a massive fan, so he told me to say hello to you anyway. So, um, yeah. Well, hi, Topher. Yeah, I, um, I, I really enjoy my OnlyFans. Like I said, I've kind of been discovering myself as a man in these past few years, and so it's given me another outlet to express myself as male which is really cool and like explore my body and celebrate my body as it naturally is instead of like you know usually I have like my hip pads and the makeup and the wig but to just like enjoy my natural body has been very good for me it's been very very good for my like self-esteem and like confidence <laughs> and do you have a lot of people going is that really you is that really you yes the worst is so um my mom turned 50 in February and we were in Hawaii and I was on Grindr because of course. <laughs> uh, and someone messaged me on Instagram and they said, hey, I think someone use, is using your photo on Grindr in Hawaii. Let me know if it's not you and we'll report them. And I'm like, oh my God, no, don't report me. <laughs> I'm a man with needs. I'm on here like everybody else. <laughs> Are you in, seeing someone at the moment? Are you in love with anyone or? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. They, that's one thing. Drag Race made dating very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, the twinkle in the eye that someone gives you when they're really interested in you? It's, um, it's the same twinkle in the eye that someone gives you when you're famous. <laughs> and so a lot of times I'm thinking that someone's really interested in me and they just want an autograph. <laughs> and it's like, ah. <laughs> well, you're such a good looking guy. I'm sure you'll find somebody. Honestly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope so. I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic. For as tough as I am, I, I am such a romantic, so I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got principles, so that, yeah. Is, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And before we go, what do you like doing, like, for fun? What do you like doing? What do you like watching? Have you watched, do you watch a lot of other reality TV? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't blind? watch them. Well, I watch. Love is Blind. Oh no, I haven't watched Love Is Blind. I saw the ad. I um I can't watch any reality TV because I haven't been on a show. I see all of the workings, like we were saying before. But I do love to binge watch shows. So my favorite show right now is Abbott Elementary, which comes on Hulu, but it's also on like regular television. Um, Quinta Barton, she's an amazing comic, produced by by a young black female, and it's such a funny, funny, funny show. Um, I really like The Gilded Age because I love. Um, like Victorian and like old opulence, anything decadent like uh, Bridgerton and Downton Abbey. I love that kind of stuff too. Um, and then I've watched Inventing Anna. Uh, obsessed with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, I haven't watched Tend Tender Swindler yet. I need to get that one under my belt. But yeah, I, I love binge watching TV. And then normally on like weekends that I'm not working, I love to go, me and my friends, we always go dancing. I love music festivals and stuff like that. I'm always like, I'm always in a club with a bottle of water because I'm just sweating my ass out. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, it's been, oh, can you say one more thing before you go? Sorry, sure. I'm gonna flip this bit. Could you say, come to the Royal, oh, go to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern on March the 3rd for Ava Vidal and Friends? Go to the Royal Go to the Royal Foxhole Tavern for Ava Vidal on March third for Fox and Friends. 
No, Ava Vidal and Friends, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Or you can I, take I RVTs, say, go to the RVT, March the 3rd, Ava Vidal and Friends. All right. Hey, it's the Vixen. You better go to RVT, March the 3rd, for Ava Vidal and Friends. I did it. Yeah, <laughs> Listen, you've been amazing and really, really generous. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really glad. And I'm going to start looking and asking around um, to see, because I know quite a few. I know some really good uh, black gay promoters and stuff, because there's no way they wouldn't want you over over um, over here and stuff. And now everything's opening back up. I mean, yeah. I can't say, what condition you're leaving because our government are crazy and have dropped all COVID regulations, but that's the oh yeah. yeah. Thank you. Everyone. Thank God, you. I'm so glad we did this. I'm so yeah, glad. Me Thank, too. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.